0: This is a CBC Podcast. Episode with one thing, guys. Sure. <clears throat> Is it a meditation? No. <laughs> Sounded bear- like it. Just bear with me. Back to school. Back to school to prove to Dad that I'm not a fool. I've got my lunch bag packed, my boots tied tight. I hope I don't get in a fight all back to school. Congratulations, all you kiddos and kids, and and, and, I don't know, adults, I guess, too, going back to school. I I was your snack pack. uh, And also, welcome
2: to the three listeners who are left after that introduction.
0: Uh, Wow, Brian, that was really rude. Um, And and this is exactly what I was talking about in our recording today with an etiquette specialist, which will be next Friday's episode about how rude you are. Um, uh, But what we're doing this Friday is uh, we're actually talking to a doctor about... Going back to school. But here's the thing. The irony. Here's the thing. We haven't recorded it yet, so I have no fucking clue what... it. Maybe it was a really shitty conversation, and I'm sorry if that's the case. But I have a feeling, if Lauren did her job correctly, uh, that we are actually going to have a great uh, episode uh, for you later in this episode. But before we get to that, it's been... Guys, it's been... A fucking while since we sat down and had some of this feel good Friday silliness, and we have a lot to get through. And Taylor has, oh wait, what? Oh yeah, no, guys, come on! I fucking know what I'm talking <laughs> about. You, you guys are just messaging on Slack while I'm <laughs> introing the fucking podcast. <laughs> I know the schedule, fuckheads. Uh, so we got we got lots to cover. We got lots to cover, and I want to start. I want to start it off. I want to start this entire thing off with, um, well, aside, f- aside from the fact that everyone's going back to school, and we'll get into that shit, who gives a fuck? We'll talk about that after. <laughs> I think there's, there's, relax. More, there's, yeah, there's more important How stuff.
3: How literally everyone and their mom cares? Uh, yeah. Me <laughs> yeah. yeah. or dad. Yeah, well.
0: And dog. Uh, we'll get into that, but what's more important is this. It is September, right? So school is starting, but it mm-hmm. it, it also means we are this close. To October, which is my favorite spooky month of the year, and I want to give everyone just a little taste of spook to get them to get their, you oh, know, their don't
4: move your fingers like that from that <clears> angle <throat> to get them to get that. <laughs> mm, what are you fondling there? No, 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 I'm going to call HR. Don't twitch your fingers like that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> HR is with us right now. You
0: know, or you or get. I'll
3: be calling myself.
0: You know, when you get really excited and your and you're, you're, yeah, your 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 b hole does this like it, oh, it, yes. it goes
3: like wow wow. Wow,
0: I want so everyone. Mine, mine
4: goes. Mine goes. That
0: we might have to. Uh, we might have to get Doctor uh, Goldman on the show to talk to
2: us about that <laughs> Some problem. ASMR right there too. Uh, uh,
0: I want to get everyone's buttholes puckered up for for the spookiest month of the year, and uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do that by reading this article from CBC uh, that came out a while ago, uh, August 25th. Uh, this is from the Associated Press. This is coming from Windsor, Ontario. Are you guys ready for this wild story? Actually, it's coming from Detroit, but the, it's, uh, it's yeah. CBC. Sure. Sure. This is the title. Dead woman found to be breathing at Detroit funeral home. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
2: Somebody messed up. This is 2020. They put a bunch of
0: that formaldehyde <laughs> in her and then she started breathing.
2: That sounds horrible.
0: <laughs> a lawyer for the woman's family said she opened her eyes just as she was about to be embalmed. Whoa! <laughs> Dude,
4: there's <laughs> so many layers as to who fucked up oh, man. on this.
3: Who would that be scarier for? The person about to be embalmed or the embalmer? I, I,
4: <laughs> oh <my God>.
2: Lauren, <laughs> I, I cool. really don't know. I, I do don't you...
0: know the answer to that.
2: How do you how do you confuse somebody for being dead though? Well, let's find out.
0: A young woman who was declared dead at her suburban Detroit home opened her eyes at a funeral home as she was about to be embalmed. A lawyer said Monday, "quote They would have begun draining her blood to be very, very frank about it." God quote said Jeffrey Feilger. Uh, The Southfield Fire Department acknowledged it was involved in a bizarre set of events Sunday that began when a medical crew was summoned to a home where a 20-year-old woman was unresponsive. Paramedics tried to revive the woman for 30 minutes and consulted an emergency room doctor. The doctor, quote, pronounced the patient deceased based on medical information provided. So I think the, the, the paramedics were there. They were trying to revive her they called the the, the turns PR out she talk. was
2: just she was just watching david blaine and practicing some of his stuff which he says don't practice this at home but you know she was just so stoked about ascension that she was like i just gotta <laughs> <laughs> I got to get some, some of that David Blaine magic all up in here. Man, that was the
0: lamest magic trick he's ever done. It was it, really, it actually. It really was. It was cute. The balloons it were cute. It wasn't really a trick, and it wasn't really a stunt, to yeah. be totally mm-hmm. honest. It was,
2: it, and they just kept talking about how safe it was the entire time. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, uh, the Oakland County Medical Examiner's Office said the body could be released to the family with without an autopsy, according to the fire department. Uh, but when... But then came a startling discovery at the James H. Cole funeral home in Detroit. The woman was still alive more than an hour later. They were moving quick. They were like, all right, she's dead, pronounced dead. Uh, We can just get her right to the funeral home. Hour later, she's at the funeral home. Our staff confirmed she was breathing and called an emergency medical crew, the funeral home said. Figer, who was hired by the family, identified the woman as Tamisha Beauchamp quote they were about to embalm her which is most frightening had she not opened her eyes the funeral home was unzipping the body bag literally and that's what ha- and that that's what happened to tamisha and seeing her alive with her eyes open so they were like okay here we go like put put the body up on the on the cold metal table get the turn on the embalming machine you know, i'm just going to... and then she's like ah! <laughs> but she would have been she would have Do you been you think she was coherent Do you think I, she was coherent I, I, that's a good question. I don't, I mean, I mean, you, there's no way. Like, can you, like, no? Imagine waking up in a body bag and going, wait a minute.
4: Dude, you're not even fully coherent when you wake up in the morning. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Definitely not you, Taylor. <laughs> no. Um, uh, Figer didn't return a message from the Associated Press. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, anyway, so they're, you know, they're
4: conducting an internal investigation Crazy. about how, how that got fucked up. But, like, honestly, I mean, kind of like a silver lining situation for her. I mean, she's probably going to get like a boatload of money and she's just going to live out the rest of her. She's going to live out the rest of her days uh, as a wealthy person unless she how happy you down the drain. How VLT, happy do you think VLT slots?
2: Do you think her family was like I think of my, my friend Cameron used to do this thing to me all the time where he would tell me that he was going to come pick me up at like two o'clock in the afternoon and he would call me at like one fifty nine. And he would say, Hey dude, sorry I'm so late. I'm gonna be there in like 30 minutes. And I was like, Oh, that's okay. But but I would be bummed out. And he'd be like, I'm just kidding, I'm just around the corner. I'll see you in a second. And he's like, Aren't you happy now? Weren't you weren't you bummed, but now you're really happy? <laughs> Isn't that like the ultimate like, aren't you really bummed and now you're really happy if you're the family of that woman and you thought she was dead and then I, she came back to life? Hmm,
0: I mean, I hmm. feel like I feel like you would be bummed, right? It's like our our daughter is dead. That's sad. Yeah. And then you'd find out. Wait, she was alive, about to be embalmed, and alive. And then you would be,
1: confi- <laughs>
0: you'd be mega confused, but happy. Of course, you're going to be elated. But I think that elation would probably end turn after about anger. ten minutes of being relieved that they're alive. And then that's a really quickly going to turn into a bunch of like, what the fuck.
3: Yeah, I think no matter what you're pissed because then if they did it intentionally, I would be pissed. I'd be like, why are you pretending to be dead? I have enough stress in my life.
0: Man, so here's the thing. Wait, here, Lauren, are you saying that this is this, the woman's it,
3: fault? Yeah, you victim blame. No, I'm not saying it's a woman. Oh, no, no, no. I'm saying the family. I feel like if it's on the family's perspective because situation hey, whatever. A okay. is oh, yeah, she sure. was accidentally We know exactly
0: almost. what you mean. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Uh, Lauren is a victim blamer. She does not believe in Tamisha's story and thinks that she was faking it the whole time. Well, here's the thing. It's like, it's like have you ever seen, I mean, you, Bri, Taylor, you guys have been there. You guys have seen you guys have you seen sleeping. Uh, no, no. Uh, although sometimes I probably do need someone to revive me while I'm sleeping. But but yeah, you, dude, you too, got yeah. sleep apnea, bro. You guys have seen paramedics trying to revive a, a, a dead human. Yep.
2: And we've also tried to revive a dead human.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's no like, you know, that's no um uh that, that, that's not an easy task. Like that is a taxing, physically demanding physically violent thing to witness right like chest compressions like if you're just if you're faking it i don't think you can i don't think you can pull that shit off like oscar it's, winning performance yeah but
3: do we know that that's what they were doing because it sounds like they just asked politely yeah, yeah. Like the <laughs> Level <laughs> of. well yeah
0: apparently in detroit uh, it says here in detroit uh it is customary for the Paramedics to simply place a mirror under the nose of the patient, <laughs> and if it does not fog up, it means they are dead. Uh, uh, so allegedly, so, yeah, allegedly, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> Imagine they just
2: pulled out a Ouija board and they were like, we have to do a seance to see if they've passed to the afterlife. And if we can't reach them and communicate, then they're still alive. Very spooky.
4: This is getting me super fucking hard for Halloween. Oh, Oh my God. Don't say hard. (laughs) Brian, isn't it crazy that we tried to bring a human back to life together? That is wild. It is crazy, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's a good story. And maybe we'll we'll retell that story again on the podcast sometime because it's been quite a while since it's come up. Uh, But we don't have time for that today. Uh, however, I so so that that you know that was a little I want to get Deezer. everyone just like slightly chubbed up for Halloween it's coming up um, I'm chubbed um, but also I also kind of want to get everyone chubbed up for the month of October uh, we're kind of we're chubbed kind of like <laughs> don't no don't don't <laughs> don't, half. Addri- don't address it don't address it uh, let it be let it be uh, the month I'm of October we're, right a- we're actually going to uh, we're gonna like we're gonna have like a themed month for sick boy and uh, I don't know if you guys know this, uh, but we're going to be talking quite a bit about uh, death and dying for pretty much the whole month of October. I'm really looking forward to it. We have some really amazing guests lined up, and uh, we, we cannot, cannot wait. So, I feel like we need a little bit of a palate cleanser. Uh, something a little less... Clean me up, Daddy. Yeah? All right. Let me, <laughs> let me take you to the cleaners. Uh, I,
2: wanna, I, wanna, I want a Star Trek shirt that says, Beam me up, Daddy. So Wouldn't that would be good. Yeah,
4: yes,
0: please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Uh so this is an article coming from the New York Times straight out off of their Instagram. Uh the article is titled In a Naked Pandemic Race, You Can Leave Your Hat On.
4: Yes. Dude,
1: is, you, is this
0: is this
4: a is this a uh, is this a guy or a gal here with the uh, with like, the hardcore thong tan? Uh,
0: that is a that very, is well. I'm not going to gender that that person uh, because I don't know. I haven't uh, I haven't heard from them. Uh, but let me read the rest of this article here. Almost all marathons and other large running events were canceled this year because of the coronavirus crisis. But the bouncing buns clothing optional 5K. I fucking love. That name? <laughs> the Bouncing Buns Clothing Optional 5K held at the sunny, resort, sunny Rest Resort, a nudist resort in Palmerton, Pennsylvania, went on as planned. Quote, in this pandemic season of covering our faces in public, why not uncover everything else, writes Jenna Miller. Uh, she was a part of the race, a race participant and author of the Times Weekly Running Newsletter. I'm Quote, bummed that I wasn't there. <laughs>
4: Oh, that was hilarious. Uh, hey, uh, quote, <laughs> oh f- god. What a
0: fun way to experience <laughs> some freedom in a time of pressing fear, grief, restrictions and disappointments. I I I do love I do love that like I just it, love that these people just got Where is this fucking, taking place? This is in Pennsylvania on a uh, on a resort called Sunny Rest Resort, which is a nudist resort.
2: Uh, okay. Uh, Would you be more or less likely to run a naked marathon with a mask on? Would you yeah. be more likely?
4: Yeah, I would probably, yeah. Yeah. You guys? To run can you say that again? To run? Would you be more sport? likely
2: to take part in the naked marathon if you were wearing a
4: mask? Over my wiener or <laughs> over my face?
3: I would <laughs> well, wear well, a, a mask over naked. my face. <laughs> and then I would wear one. I would like make like a little sports bra with it because the the tit bounce would hurt a lot yeah yeah i, I guess like, someone commented that on that, that article and i was like ooh relatable that would, <laughs> yeah. that, that would be painful yeah you yeah, have
4: I, to I, hold I, your your tatas the whole way yeah because i think i that's think that's too pure, much it's not it's not it's not like social etiquette it's for for if you if you got tas it's like it's functional
3: mm. oh exactly exactly
0: uh sunny rest resort was founded as a nudist resort in 1945 And except for the lack of clothing, it looks a lot like other campgrounds with mobile homes, cabins, tents and RVs. It's private property. So laws against public nudity are not an issue. Pretzel City Sports, which organized the Bouncing Buns 5K, has been putting on races there for 13 years. That's such a good name. Isn't that great? Yeah. I I, I do fucking love that. And I, I love that, like, I don't know. I love that especially in the U S like it seems like everything I've seen coming out of the U S is a giant fucking bummer. And this is, this is definitely a, a bummer, still a bummer, but, uh, it's, it's my favorite kind of bummer, uh, a naked one. Um, but then, so, so at the same time as I was reading this article, I came across another one that was like, I, I look, I could never be a nudist. It's not, it's not my bag. But I when I when I think about nudists, or is it because a,
2: a, you're a grower not a shower? Or? You know what?
0: I think it actually is. Yeah, like I I I, <laughs> I really I think that is the reason why. Uh, because when every time I see a nudist, I'm just like, li- like there's this lake that I go to here in Halifax, and and it's this nice little hike in. But when you get there, it's it is a nudist's lake. Like it's all these fifty Wait, where, plus where? dudes. It's a, it's a, I don't want to I don't want to like I'll tell you after. Uh, okay. um, and it's it's all these it's like 50, a bunch of these like 50 year old guys 50 plus and they all just hang out and they're always naked and they're super kind and it's not it's not like a, it's not a sexual thing right it's like it's, it's nudity it's nudity meant to be mm. meant to like bear it all with like zero sexual con- connotation to it and um, unless
4: unless you're you, fucking unless you want
0: <laughs> you know Unless you want there to, be uh, unless you to sure, be. unless you want it, but that's not what nudis like. That's not what nudism is about. Nud- nudism, what is, super what kind, is it? super kind, very giving.
2: What is it though? Is it just like the sense of freedom, or the sense of like just feeling like you can just be?
0: It's called yeah. It's called naturism naked. or or nudism, and it's um, here. It's a a lifestyle of non sexual nudity and a cultural movement which advocates and defends mm-hmm. that lifestyle. Um, yeah, because it's
3: it's a cultural thing to cover yourself up at varying degrees or cause that's something that varies culture to culture. Like what age children have to start wearing clothes yeah. and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Because it's a thing. It's, yeah. it's a shame in some ways that like, sauna, has culture. Been yeah. like sauna culture, sexualized yeah. sauna culture
4: in uh, Scandinavia is like, that's it's right. like, wait, yeah. why the hell would you put a towel on to go into the sauna? Yeah. It's so- weird
2: because I kind of feel both ways about it. Like the, I feel like it would be just really nice if we could just walk around naked all the time. And, um, I I get that. But then also I think there's something that is kind of like, um, like provides some, some mystery to wearing clothing. Then like, you know, even with your, with your partner, like if you're walking around the house all the time, totally naked, does it take away from some of the like mystery or like excitement of then being naked? I don't know. I do both. So it's hard. Yeah. I don't, I, I, uh, I don't know.
4: (laughs) I, I don't, uh, I mean, with a long-term partner, is there any mystery going yeah. on?
0: Yeah, you know. I mean, Although the I, port- I public still at large for sure. I still haven't. I still haven't seen Brady poop to this day. To this day, like we've been seen married it, for like nine coming years.
2: out or like seen her sitting on the toilet <laughs> while she's doing it. <laughs> like uh, I think there's a difference between uh, like walking uh, in while she's uh, just sitting there or like having her degrees. get up and like be able to see. I would say both. I haven't seen either. <laughs>
0: uh, all right, so that was a feel good. That was a feel good Friday nudist um, uh, story. Interesting there for a sec. But here's a here's a not so feel good Friday nudist story. Um, the nudist yep. spreading coronavirus in, at a French resort. So this, this <laughs> is uh, this is coming from Chris Bachman from the BBC. Uh, for many of Europe's naturists and the tens of thousands of swingers among them, Cap de Gagd, Cap da Hold on. One second. Let me get my French out. Cap <laughs> Dagged. Dagged. I
4: think you should I think, you should I think you should I think you should write Like uh, Lauren and I this Le name cap and we can help
0: you. All right, here. One second. Yeah, one second. I'll write I'll send it to you guys in Slack here. Brian uh, also took French lessons, so he might be able to chime oh, in. Oh, I took I took a French version for three years straight. Cap Oh my
3: god, I can tell. Cap Oh,
0: okay. How would you say it? <laughs> oh, that is a, that is that a, is a tough I'm one. I'm telling you, it's sure, not easy. One one yeah, I'm, pronounce. Not a, I'm not a fucking idiot. Cap We oui, mais oui, le Cap So, Cap Dag has become a traditional summer destination. Cabadaga. But a coronavirus outbreak there has shone an uncomfortable light on their alternative lifestyle. France has seen a surge in infections with 7,000 people recently testing positive in one day. That's pretty big. The southern area of Ereuth and Cap d'Agde in particular has seen (laughs) some of the biggest numbers. Home to the biggest naturist (laughs) resort in Europe. Whoa, that must be a big one. The biggest naturist resort in Europe. It has a distinct focus on hedonism. But now, health authorities who set it's up not a not mope- sexual. <laughs> well, well <laughs> hey, hey, man, it's, it's not sexual. Yeah. It's not
4: always sexual. <laughs> A distinct <laughs> emphasis on fucking oh, man. everywhere.
3: So uh, when you said when you said swingers earlier, you wasn't referring to dicks. No, no.
0: I mean, well, hey, you never know. Uh, but now, health authorities who set up a mobile testing operation outside the village have found 30 percent of the 800 naturist checked uh, checked have tested positive. That's, uh, that's Did you, you know, hear?
4: Uh, did you? Li- did you? I was listening to an episode of Your mom's house and they were talking about. How hedonism was sending out uh, emails uh, to their email yes, list that was sure. like we're like we're open we're like we're here we're here yeah. for you we've got a socially distanced like experience for you and it's like dude your mandate is fuck anywhere <laughs> yeah so I, and I, <laughs> with any with anyone yeah and so I
0: think that is where this kind of this sets apart uh, very much so from the from the um, what was it called sunny rest resort in the US <laughs> because this place this place is like this is basically a fuck village um, <laughs> known as known as known as the village naturist the resort is a, sec, a secluded community with around a dozen swinger clubs That that is a lot of swinger clubs for a village. (laughs) That's a densely (laughs) packed swinger community. Certainly, the
2: highest per capita. Let me say that one more time. Let me say that one (laughs) more
0: time. A dozen swinger clubs and saunas, as well as an erotic nightclub, that have hideaways for couples to get intimate in or out of view of others. Of course, not all naturists are swingers who swap sexual partners, and some visitors prefer the quieter, vast camping site opposite the main village. So, again, this is like this is a town. And so here's where I think the, the 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 COVID's kind of becoming a problem, and we've been seeing um, we've been seeing a lot of like health authorities coming out and talking about <clears throat> practicing safer sex during COVID and and spreading COVID through sexual contact. Um, you know, you've got a village of a bunch of horny. I'm sure all ages, but these photos are looking a little bit on the older side of things uh, of people just getting together, like just tons of people banging.
2: <laughs> yeah, dude, we have we have Northwood. They have Cap de
0: oh, wow. You actually said it pretty good there, Brian. That sounded like I like that. Those that was, that was kind of nice. Um, uh, yeah. So so things aren't going too good for Cap de uh, All the all that fucking and covid spreading.
4: <laughs> well, all the all the best. She
0: <coughs> oh, it says here, it's the younger crowd who've taken more risks. Yeah, Well, there you go. Mm. Interesting. Um, uh, A- Alan and his wife sat opposite me, both naked for except for the transparent visors covering their faces. <laughs> <laughs> they are both in their 60s and believe it is unfair to single out the village. Quote, at our age, of course, we are more cautious about where we go and how many people we are in close contact with, said Alan. It's the younger crowd who have taken more risks, but it's not just here. There are outbreaks everywhere across the country wherever young people have been gathering. So you hear that? Hundred percent. It's, it's all your fault, young people. Um you're going back to school. You're gonna fuck this up for all of us. So you know, you well, better to be fair.
2: They are kind of fucking it up in, in Nova Scotia right now, aren't they?
0: Well, you know. They're kids. And yeah. you can't, you know those rascals. It's, it's
2: really it's really just the small the small group of them that are that are giving everybody a bad rep, isn't it? Yeah. Speaking yeah, of I
3: Nate, I no, oh, go ahead. Sorry. no, no, go ahead. I was gonna say, I think in Nova Scotia we're doing pretty, we're doing pretty well. It's these campuses and really back well. to the US where there's uh, you know hundreds of thousands of students or tens of thousands of students that are, where people are all partying, spitting in each other's red solo cups and stuff. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Like the, you know, as soon as they go back to school, they have to close it right down again.
0: Yeah, but like you know, beer pong though. This so. is not the time for beer pong,
4: really. Do you
3: How can you do socially distanced beer pong? Yeah. I, I, I
2: have beer a, pong
4: I, is by 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 it, just by nature of being itself is socially distanced because you got to be six feet away on a table,
2: right? <laughs> yeah, but the yeah, ball so gets willy
3: nilly in cups that you're drinking from. I always just clean the ball the off with my
4: mouth. Yeah,
2: if you have mm-hmm. a if you have a water cup where you're dipping it into mm. and uh, and <laughs> you're just um, draining it. Every single time, then I don't think that there's any problems. Yeah,
4: we got to do bubble, bubble, bubble beer pong.
0: Hey, Lauren I, a, I Lauren, genuine... I have, Lauren, I have a question for you. Um, have you ever fed your cat ever in your life? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Can you hear it? No,
0: yeah, 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 dude, yeah,
3: 100%. I just asked you guys in the Slack if you could, and Brian said <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that, that was like
2: seven that. minutes ago, though. Um, hey, I no, have a genuine question, question for cat. you guys. What were you um, going to say, Brian? Um, so I, I put out a tweet. This morning that said uh, there's been a 25 percent daily increase in COVID cases um, over the last. Uh, that was a funny text in the Slack channel there, Taylor. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Uh, guys, can <laughs> we can we, uh, we
0: just fucking leave Slack out of our fucking episodes? <laughs> Jesus. Christ. So there's
2: there's been a 25 percent increase in in coronavirus cases in Canada since schools have have gone back in in the last week. Yeah. And uh, so I I. I put a like a, I was genuinely curious and in, in asking this and I'm curious what you guys think. Like, is there a plan where, you know, or is there a point where we hit enough cases where we're like, holy shit, like we got to stop doing this? Or is it just kind of like, hey, like it's, you know, kind of a necessity right now for schools to reopen so that yeah. the economy can get started back up again? Well, um, is there a point where we're just like, this is too much?
0: It's funny you ask that now, Bri, because uh, literally tomorrow at 4 p.m., uh, we are going to be recording with Dr. Jody Carrington, which uh, is actually going to be within this episode. So we're throwing to that conversation, but we haven't had it yet. And I feel like that's kind of a question that would be, you should take that question, put it in your, in your breast pocket, and pull that out while we're talking to her. And I bet you... She'll have something interesting to say. But if you were to ask me, a, 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 an idiot who doesn't know fuck about shit, I'd say I'd say public safety should come first and, and a year's worth of education should come second. Might be a controversial thing to say, but it's like, is it really going to fuck up the entire planet if everyone gets one year off school?
4: Uh, I mean, you it know? would definitely have massive downstream effects <laughs> because it's like... Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah, well, I mean, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Why, though? Really why, why? Is that, is that actually I that mean, crazy for me to well, think? Well, I mean, if you think about... If you just said, okay, we're not going to go to school this year. I mean, like, think about all... Of the possible scenarios that then could play out for the rest of the year, and the amount of people that might end up never going to school, never getting that education, never getting the job, never never contributing to the economy in a in a in a in a a way that they that is like meaningful from a I immediately retract that statement
0: because we also did talk to someone about the importance of childcare and school being a big part of that, but like.
4: yeah, yeah, I get it. I and get I'm just it. talking it's about a, university. And yeah. then if you talk about no, if you talk I'm about su- kids, yeah, you go back right. to the conversation we had about childcare and all that <clears> stuff. I mean, like yeah. on every level. I mean, there's just yeah. so many. I don't yeah, think we're right. gonna I've get to never. a place. I don't think we're gonna get to a place where, I I don't think a sh- I don't think a shutdown, no matter how bad any of this gets. I don't think that will ever happen again. I, I think even I if, even if it then. was worse than it was <coughs> in the beginning, I d- I I don't see it because I think, and that's just me, and I and that's just like a that's like a. That's like a gut. That's a gut feeling, not like a statistics and facts mm. uh, statement. But I just think, I just think th- we saw so much social carnage from the shutdown that every effort will be put towards um, maintaining some sort of normal state of the world while, while, um, while um, uh, uh, mitigating the risk as best as we can. Yeah. It's kind of crazy
2: because we were, we were talking, we had a phone call, four of us and Jeff the other day. uh, And we were talking about how we, back in March, we had this talk that was supposed to be in Mexico that was pushed to September. And when it got pushed to September, we all thought like, Oh, there's a reasonable chance that that will still happen. And now to look back at that and think that we thought that we might be traveling to Mexico this month is Crazy and and the, see, the realization see, see. that see the realization that I've been having in the last like, you know, really few weeks is like, whoa, this is like going back to quote unquote normal, is something that like if it even happens is not going to happen for a really long time. Mm-hmm.
4: And something to um, something uh, this will kind of slot in here well for this um, in the conversation around getting, um, you know. Things shutting down, and the idea that we had when we were, you know, back in whatever, whenever that was, April, May, that we thought we would be, you know, still going to Mexico in September, like reasonable to, to reschedule for then, um, and something that something that makes something like that maybe brings us a little bit closer if it comes to uh, if it comes to fruition is uh, something that came up in my fina- financial news this morning was um, was a test uh, that is coming out of. Um, I believe I want to say it's a Chinese company. I want to say it's a it's a collaboration between a Chinese and an Australian uh, company that is uh, putting Quigan qui Quigan. Yeah. Kui-gin. yeah I, and I'm I'm making and I'm making that assumption Jin. As, I um, believe it is Kui-gon Kui-gon Jin, yeah. <laughs> I'm making that assumption that it's a Chinese company based on the name. It sounds uh, Chinese to me. Um, that they are releasing it's a, a large test, assumption, producing a test that can produce results in. Less than 15 minutes. Um, so I'll just read the little uh, Cole's notes here because there wasn't a ton of information on it, but it was um, I'm going to say Gen is the Gen maybe, is uh, announces plans to launch the Access Anti SARS CoV 2 antigen. Test uh, designed to generate 30 tests per hour from swab specimens, blah, 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 blah. The test, developed in collaboration with Australian digital diagnosis company, Allume, can generate a result in less than 15 minutes and is suited for high-volume environments requiring fast, accurate results. So probably like airlines, which is why I brought that up in relation to uh, going to Mexico. Uh, Two versions of the antigen test, one for labs and one for point-of-care use, um, which I'm assuming is like, it is is like per, like personal uh, like commercial use mm. um, will be commercially available next quarter feasibility tests showed sensitivity of at least 90% don't really know what that means and specific specificity of a hundred percent
2: I'm really curious about like <clears throat> test tests like that though and how how they can I understand that that could be really helpful to know that information but I know for example like I'm in Quebec City right now and I'm traveling back to Nova Scotia in a couple of weeks and when I come back, I have to do my two weeks of isolation. And I've heard people say, like, oh well, you can just go get tested and then you don't have to do your two week isolation, which isn't true. Yeah, it's and, not true. And and the reason why is because there's a ten to fifteen percent false negative rate. So you could test negative for the virus, but actually have it. Be asymptomatic and then transmit it to groups of people. So Mm -hmm. that's why you have to do the 14 day isolation. There's no way around it. And so, like, even though there are tests that are are seeming to like tell us, you know, give us a good indicator of whether or not somebody is COVID positive or not, there's still that false negative rate. Which then, you know, like, even if you get tested, it's like, can you still afford to travel on a plane? For example,
4: it's all about it's all about mitigating it as best as possible while still maintaining while still functioning relatively normally. So think about airlines using a <coughs> test like that and you know a big a big scare is international travel and taking yeah. ta- and 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 how and how essential not essential but how crucial international travel is to like thousands of businesses and commerce around the world for example. Mm-hmm. And those in the the like that is like massively hindered right now, if not downright impossible for a lot of, for a lot of things. And now all of a sudden you've got a test, you can go to the airport, you can get your, t- you can get tested. There's a waiting area um, where you wait until you get your test. If you get a positive test, you are, uh you are then, you're not allowed to go there. So like just mitigating that chance to, of course there's going to be the false negatives and all that stuff. I mean, that's just how science works, but yeah. mitigating being able to get back to some state of normal life while still mitigating exposure and transmission as best as we can.
2: I totally agree. And we, we have to do that, but I also wonder, and I, I don't know the answer to this and it might be a really interesting question to ask a, somebody who studies epidemiology or a scientist about this, but um, I'm wondering if like the rate of infection is so high that even mitigating risk to a certain extent wouldn't prevent So, like, say that this is so um, infectious that this could, unhindered in any way, this could infect the entire global population ten times over. But, you know, we're able to mitigate the risk down uh, eight times less, but it still infects the entire global population. Then, Mm. like, are we able, like, how infectious is it? Mm. And even if we mitigate risk, like, to what extent can we actually prevent the spread of this virus to reaching everybody else? And then, and then like, there's a, I mean, when you, when you talk about data and COVID-19, it's so interesting. Like we were having this conversation the other day where, you know, this is an extremely infectious virus. We understand, you know, I think, and people who listen to this podcast and have heard the conversations that we've had with um, professionals and scientists and doctors over the last, you know, six months, we understand, why this virus is as dangerous as it is? Yet, you know, we're still trying to understand what are the long term effects of. Yeah. There's COVID-19. so much we like, don't know. Like what? What? What are the ramifications of of letting this not spread, but but um, but like of preventing people from getting it. like what? Yeah, you know, yeah. Where, where is the world getting affected the most by you know things like? um, isolations and things like that. Like who knows what you know, the long term effects are.
4: You know, it was, it was in listening to that episode that I was telling you that radio lab episode that I was telling you guys about yesterday. Um, it's a, a incredible episode for anybody who's like really just soaking up shit about COVID dispatches from 1918 is the episode of radio lab. It's, uh, I think it was in the last few a handful of months before, like between May and now, I think. And, um, they talked about how after 1918, basically like, the, the the Spanish flu just like scoured the earth for a couple of years, and then, and then it it was the flu was Spanish flu until like 1950 something is when it is when it turned into something else, but it just became the yeah. regular flu, and that's like like the Spanish flu that killed so many people in 1918 just didn't kill anybody. And I'm not that not that they're the same. I mean, like that that's not my area of expertise. But I'm just looking back at that and thinking that you know, in 1930, if you got the flu, you got the Spanish flu. It just didn't kill. It just didn't kill you. It just it didn't have the same. It just Ooh. didn't have the same because and that had something to do with like the, the, of, of the the amount of people that got it over that decade and how immune responses and people mm-hmm. changed and like it, it really made me think like oh the possibility it really made me start to start to think because I've been on the train of like vaccine 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 and that listening to that really made me think about the also very also very likely outcome that like this is something that we just live with that for a number of but, years possibly decades but just peters into something that is well that's that's just not like the, what it is now
0: that's like the flu shot the booster yeah. shot every year comes out it's mm-hmm. a little bit of a different variation every year to combat how the flu has evolved and changed from year to year to year and yeah it's i mean I, I, it's very likely that we're that 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 is a reality that we're going to see which is that covid will we'll never live life
2: without covid It's it'll always be you know I think the the craziest thing, though, is like the effect that it has on our psyche, like the way that we will now like I I can't imagine walking down the aisle of a grocery store and not just like (laughs) having it in the back of my head like, oh, I got to kind of like make sure that I'm two meters away from this person like that's I feel like that's like something that will be with me for a long, long time.
0: Well, you know, it's fun to think that uh, just six months ago we weren't talking about any of this bullshit and now six months from today who knows what we'll be talking about will zombies be roaming the streets will we have to be uh, protecting ourselves from from chrome plated endoskeleton killer robots yeah i i don't know will um, toilets be Scanning our
4: buttholes to tell us how healthy we are.
0: Very likely. (laughs) That is extraordinarily likely because they are actually doing that. Uh, We need to throw to this conversation because Taylor, you need to go. Uh, I'm excited for you to listen to this because I haven't even done it yet. And so we have no idea what this conversation is going to be like. Cross your fingers and let's hope it's a good one. But I have what's that a question, question I'm said.
2: supposed to ask? I forget. It's going uh, to be good. You'll have to go back and listen to, to ride this and my that out. Okay. Uh, So I want let's uh, to ride throw
0: my to our conversation with Dr. Jody Carrington all about COVID and back to school.
4: My headphones are called Daddy Daddy Stovepipe. Oh <laughs> wow. my god. That was a that and I will say that that was a randomly generated name by Bose when I bought them. No it was. Daddy wasn't. Stovepipe. Really? It was. Yep,
0: 100%. D da- ca- D-A-D-D-Y, Daddy ca- Stovepipe? Yes. That sounds that sounds there's like what like Kyla should be calling you at night. There's a, there's no, a, it
1: sounds like a stripper name. I th- I feel like that's super um, <laughs> awesome. I, I was just I kept on hitting I kept on
4: hitting generate 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 and I landed on Daddy Stovepipe and I said that's the okay. one. that's the one. <laughs> Interesting.
1: You were like you're right. So yeah. Yeah. thank you. That's yeah. me. That's me. I am Daddy's know? Stovepipe. <laughs>
0: Um, well, I can tell already that this is going to be a fucking great recording. Uh, this is, we are folks. And when I say folks, I'm talking to Dr. Jody Carrington, Brian and Taylor, uh, folks, we are living in really unprecedented times. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, uh, this is something that I've never said on the podcast once before, but, uh, times are crazy. Times are wild. Mm -hmm. And, uh, kids are going back to school and I think it's safe to say
4: that, uh, shit's fucked up. Yeah. I'd you know? say that it's probably fair to say that. Yeah, I
1: think that's I, fair. I
2: echo that sentiment.
0: Well, we're all on the same page. Uh, but what I'm really excited to to dive into, uh, aside from how shit's all fucked up, is what does that, what is this actually, what are we actually doing here? What are we, what are we, are we walking into a complete and utter disaster or, or, I don't know. Someone help me. I'm <laughs> I'm okay. at a loss. Or
4: or the opposite of that. Is yeah. That, or, is that where you're going for? Yeah. Now? Or is this
0: is it going to be rainbows and butterflies?
4: Um, I don't know. I mean, huh, I was
0: asking I kind of, Dr. Jody Taylor. Shut the fuck up. Oh, <laughs> oops,
4: my I was excited to see what
1: you're going to come up with, though. That. Was fantastic. I,
4: I, I I mean I don't I mean I just I personally I have I have no idea. I mean I guess it depends on. Uh, from my perspective i guess it depends on like most stuff depends on the how each individual like city province state kind of goes about mm-hmm. handling it because it, it seems sounds like like a-, a bunch of stuff they've been hand- like they've handled everybody's kind of taken a different tact on well, how
2: you'd make a really good politician <laughs> that sounded like a Thanks. political yeah. response <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, uh, a ba- it's a basic it's, a,
4: it's <laughs> like a it's just me it's a roundabout way of going I don't know
1: okay so I'll give you the, the non-political response Um, I I think, um, I'm significantly fucking worried on a daily basis about what it's going to look like in six months from now. And at the same time, I am so hopeful because I think this is a beautiful Mm. opportunity to sink into hard things, which we are not good at historically. And so many of us have been forced into this process. Okay. So if you, do any of you own a kid or teach a kid or love a kid? Your own personal. I, I do not
4: own any children. I don't <laughs> own any. But I, 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 like I did. Them. Cool. I sold them. Is that I that how you the, I, re, it? I used to. I recently sold them. Now,
0: do you uh, own, children? own children? Is that? Is that? Yeah, I you guess do. you would <laughs> own a kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, yeah.
1: I'm a child psychologist, and I'm not a huge fan of kids. Um, but I am a <laughs> massive. <laughs> I am a massive fan of the people who hold them. Okay, and that's you and me, and every educator on the planet, yeah. every police officer that interacts with somebody, um, every hockey coach, musician, anybody you can think about, we all have a huge opportunity right now to be able to walk each other home. So I often think about this quote. Uh, in fact, it sits over my shoulder in my office. So I'm showing you right now. Ram Dass is a philosopher and he said this, we are all just here walking each other home. Yeah, I'm a big we fan of Ram Dass. We are all just here walking each other home. And I, it is so profound to me. That in a given time, when we talk about people with mental illness or physical illness or, you know, when you're watching your best friend struggle with whatever they've been given on their plate, right? The truth of the matter is, is we're all in this together. So this really isn't government's responsibility. This really isn't, um, you know, are we going to get a um, um, uh, vaccine soon enough? Huh? Mm. All of those things are so dependent on how we show up every day in our communities and support each other through this process. The hard thing about this is... Mm. The fundamental basis of any human reaction comes down to one thing, in my opinion, and it's this thing called emotional regulation, which essentially means how not to lose your friggin' mind. Okay? Mm-hmm. So when you bring a baby home from the hospital, they have little skills on emotional regulation. They cry, right? They lose their friggin' minds, And the big people walk them home. The big people are inherently wired for connection, and they do things like this. Hmm. Hmm. Even for those of you who don't own a child, if I put an infant, a crying infant in your arms, right, doesn't, if you're related to them, you're more inclined. But even if you're not, if you just sort of walked out of your house today, and there was a baby in a bassinet outside, there crying, your inclination wouldn't be like, Oh, that's fucking weird. Your thing would be to pick up and even if you had no skill, you would do this. Mm-hmm. That's my you biggest
0: fear on on planet Earth is walking out my front <laughs> door and finding a bassinet with a, a baby, an unclaimed baby in it, yeah, and then having just, to pick it up and go. Mm, mm. But you would. You I've never i never really thought about somebody. that, but
4: it you is very um, yeah
0: yeah. You wouldn't just look at it and go
4: no. Ah! Yeah,
1: we are. Wi- we're wired for connection. Right. And so right. even, you, you know, you notice this even when grandparents who haven't been around infants for a long time hang on to their first grandchild or, you know, you're like, take this kid or we're going to rush. Police officers are often up against this many times. They come upon a scene. Right. They're the tough, really brutal guys. They're dissolved to tears when they have to hang on to a babe. OK, mm. because we're wired for connection. In fact, if we don't connect to infants, they die. Mm -hmm. so it's this idea that emotional regulation is inherent in all of us how we walk people home you do not develop the skills of how not to lose your friggin mind unless somebody shows you they cannot tell you they have to show you you understand i couldn't say to an infant calm down use your words
4: Use your asshole. words. I, I feel I like mean, that's really common. Well, but how many
1: times you say that to your <laughs> to an infant? Spouse? Like, I mean,
0: you could say that to a seven year old, but to an infant? Yeah, I guess. Infant, I mean, that, that's, you that's, so. that's not, say
1: that to a seven. Listen, you. Yeah, right. <laughs> don't and know. you have a personal partner. Hey, I don't have a
0: seven year old. I don't fucking know how it's, how it's done.
1: <laughs> listen, do you own a partner?
0: Well, uh, my partner. I do own. Me, but, I do yeah. own a wife. I own a Excellent. wife. Yes, yes. yes. So
1: let's get back to this one for a minute. You decided <laughs> at some point in your life that this person you were gonna like. There's something about this person that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Anything that would happen to them would be heartbreaking to you. And the last time that she looked at you and said, "Oh, calm down, Jeremy," did you go, "Oh"? <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: It always mm-hmm. works. Do,
1: do you want to make
2: out? Yeah, yeah. Never in the
1: history of telling somebody how no. to regulate emotion does regulating emotion work. It's true. Yeah, I mean,
0: it, yeah, it's true. Like that. The one thing, like the the one thing that I I feel like almost like everyone can relate to is when someone when you're like upset and someone goes, relax.
1: It's exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. So when we speak about this from a fundamental perspective, right? Babies come with really, really little skill. Kids have a very little skill. And depending on whether somebody has walked you home through hard things, it's in that process that you develop it. We are in a global pandemic where everybody is emotionally dysregulated. Yeah, the babies in particular. Mm. And so when big people are going to struggle with walking little kids through hard things in six months from now or t- a half a generation from now, we'll see a lot of emotional dysregulation. Mm. The only thing that matters to me right now is how we stay connected to each other in our communities, uh, in our churches, in our grocery stores. Uh, in a way, this is ridiculous because the world is saying socially distance. The very thing that we need right now is to look at each other and be like, we got it. Right. Taylor, I got you. I know this is going to be tricky, right? Or Brian, I see you. I really love your hoodie. We do less of that when we're emotionally dysregulated because guess where our eyes are when we're emotionally dysregulated? Down. Down. Yeah. We stop looking because we're fucking scared. Yeah. And this is what we need. We need our balls now more than anything. Mm. And when we're scared and there's no script and this this fucking word unprecedented. I Like our balls balls? These balls. Your oh, okay. eyeballs. I'm oh, sorry. Not,
0: not, no, not your But you I, can do I mean, what you want. I mean, I mean if you want to put your too. balls out, I feel like this is yeah. a big
1: thing in Halifax. But you can also, <laughs> <laughs> typically we're looking with these balls. Okay. okay? are you going to say? Un- wow, okay. my, no my mind's right. in the gutter. Whatever you are
2: there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Jody, Jody what, have, were you, what were you going to say about played. unprecedented? The word unprecedented. You said you hate that word.
1: Uh, because I think it's unprecedented how many times I've said unprecedented.
2: <laughs> I know, right? That's I know. Do you know? Yeah. I do, yes.
1: Yeah. I think that's an interesting New normal.
2: <laughs> it's like...
1: in our lifetime guys here's the thing we're not going to see anything ever. go back to the way that we knew
0: no travel
1: is different education yeah. is different mm-hmm. trick-or-treating is out is going to be my guess right and people are so scared uh. about how this is going to affect each other but here's the problem or for me here's the beauty of it because you asked if there's a good part of this I'm um, and i know this is your show and i'm going to let you talk soon but um what is really interesting to me about this process is that The only way we learn worth or that we matter is face-to-face connection with another person, somebody else who walks us home through emotionally Mm -hmm. regulates us. Yeah, This has afforded us so much time to look at and be with the people we love the most. Mm -hmm. Whether we are in love with them or not, it has afforded this opportunity to slow down. I Mm -hmm. have never in my 45 years spent so much time with my kids than I did this summer. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I love to build my company and do great things. And I much prefer to be on the road because I'm not a fan of my own personal children. I mean, I I'm proud of them and I really, you know, frolic in their beauty. But I, I I'm much more comfortable at work or speaking on a stage or writing a book or doing those things. Right. Because personal face to face connection with the people we love will remain the hardest thing you ever do.
4: Right. Close yeah, I can, yeah I, I can hear that.
0: This is I mean, first of all, what a way to kick off this Fucking conversation. Um, uh, we, I, we didn't even properly introduce you, uh, Dr. Jody Carrington, <laughs> a clinical psychologist who works with children and families who have experienced trauma and is also uh, the new co host of Sick Boy Podcast. So, welcome, <laughs> everybody. Uh, we'll give a big round of applause. Um, uh, but this is, you know, it, it's as someone who works uh, or is, you know, is passionate about working with teachers and and school staff, like, what do you, what are, what are your, I guess, I, I guess, like, what I, what I'm really curious to know is, like, what are the, what are the steps that, like, those people who are, 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 I mean, I, I keep saying, like, going into, they're there now, like, the, the school up my, up my road is, is going in full force, but, like, what are the, what are the steps that, like, they, that the the children, the the teachers, the you know the custodial staff, like that, they should be taking to, I guess, like prep themselves for this next six months of whatever is ahead of them. <clears throat> you know, like it just seems like such a scary time for something that has not been has been the opposite. I mean, has been scary. I guess, like if you were going to a new school or something. But something like, that's the idea of going back to school is like is like really yeah exactly like. I was trying to not use it, Brian, but, but you, you forced, you yeah. forced me. Um, yeah, like, are, are there steps that, that these people should be, like, considering or taking in in, in going back into this environment
1: Yeah. under so here's such the circumstances? Thing. Yeah, here's the thing that we don't do enough, right, is we we want to fix it. So oftentimes people are, people are compelled to ask for strategies and solutions and suggestions. And I don't know if you've ever done this, you know, when somebody demands sort of, okay, what do we do? And you give them some answers, like, here, try this, and they say, yes, but... I've already tried that. Yes, but that doesn't work. Yes, but what about the kids that don't wear masks? Yes, but what about my immunocompromised um, aunt? Yes, but, right? Here's the issue with this whole process is if we try to fix it too soon, we will not be heard. There is the important step that we always miss with our partners, with our kids, with our communities of acknowledgement. And I've learned that word so significantly from our Indigenous culture, um, even most in the last three months. I mean, every time I do a talk, there's always a land acknowledgement, right? And I was always I like, Mm-mm. not until recently have I understood when Heather Bieber explained it to me. The importance of acknowledgement is just noticing, giving some uh, space, holding space for this idea of how fucking hard this has been. And Dan Siegel is a favorite psychiatrist of mine. He says, you've got to name it to tame it. And if we try to fix it without even saying to each other, our parents, you know, we've missed funerals, we've missed births, we've missed uh, graduations and hockey playoffs and all of those things that are woven into the tapestry of our lives. Unless we say, guys, look what you've been through the last six months. Mm. How are you managing this when you're still battling a, you know, a physical illness? How are you showing up for my babies when you're worried that you won't have time for your own? You're you're amazing. How are you still doing this podcast when you know it's so difficult? Like all of those things, we don't say that nearly enough. Mm-hmm. We try to fix it, and so I I think the first step before you were doing anything is acknowledging just where we've been through, and what the you know the people we're serving have been through. And mm-hmm. I often said this a lot lately is when you acknowledge, they will rise. When you acknowledge, they will rise, and when you try to teach or tell calm down, get over it. You're fine. You're in fucking Canada, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, whatever the answer is. I don't even think there is a right one is not nearly as important as that first step, right. Of collecting before we direct Mm -hmm. collecting. And it's not an end game, right? Mm -hmm. It's not an end game. You can do this today with your partner when you get home, right? You're going to say like, how's your day, babe? Like you, you, it's not one day if you just think, okay, I got it you got to do that again tomorrow, particularly with the people we love and we lead and we teach, the ones we're spending the most time with. And when we're exhausted, we have nothing fucking left. And when our partner's exhausted, we have, she has, or he has nothing fucking left. So guess where that leaves us? Emotionally dysregulated and chippy, mm. irritable, mm-hmm. right? You understand? Everything <laughs> fucking bothers me. Right? My husband mm-hmm. and I went and got coffee this morning. I thought it was going to be really like romantic and shit. And he's like, whoa. And I said, what, what the? What is the fucking chippiness here? <laughs> right? Because so much is unknown. We just, you know, develop, delivered our babies to three new schools. I don't know what the protocols are. Mm. We've just, you know, our business is completely um, upside down. I mean, it, it Quite honestly, it's been beautiful for me, but it's this idea that so many people on this planet don't know where their next paycheck is going to come from. Are they going to mm-hmm. get the COVID? What does that mean if they do? What are the long-term effects? We don't even know, right? What What is happening with our government and all of the spending? Are our kids going to have to spend like up, 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 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. everybody's running about here. So the second thing that I have to talk about is the importance of just dropping your shoulders mm. wherever you are in any given moment, right? And you can do that now. I'm watching you. That's it see Brian's a very good player along. Jeremy's like trying to pretend that he didn't like even hear me. He's like, no, I'm fine. I'm totally fucking good. My shoulders are down. They're not. My shoulders are fine, guys. <laughs> exactly. Because we want everybody to, uh, you know, the, we're in this Instagram social media place where like we got it together. Mary Poppins the fuck out of everything. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah. It's fine. Oh, You're fine. I'm good. We're I'm fine. okay. I'm okay. Yeah. No, we're not. <laughs> We're not okay. Our Mm -hmm. teachers are not okay. Our police officers are not not okay. And our educators and our police officers, who are the two biggest populations I serve because I love them dearly, their primary job is to hold on to emotionally dysregulated people. Huh? Mm -hmm. Isn't this the truth? When Mm -hmm. you're a teacher, you can't teach the literacy and the numeracy if you have somebody who's emotionally dysregulated. Mm -hmm. When you're a cop, you're going to get hurt or somebody's going to get hurt if they're emotionally dysregulated. Your job, before anything, is to collect before you direct, is to calm them down. If you are not okay, the people you serve don't stand a chance.
4: you got your podcasts.
2: I, I, I wanted to ask because Jody, I, I hear you talk about you know trying to run a business, trying to be there for other people, trying to get your kids off to school, trying to manage your relationship. Um, in terms of like acknowledging what you've been going through personally, like what has been the biggest challenge um, for you over the past six
1: months? Can I tell you the biggest challenge has been that COVID has been a gift for me. And there is significant guilt in being sort of unaware. As I watch this massive systemic change, I'm more aware of my white privilege now more than anything. I look at this business that we've been able to flip really quickly into an online platform, which has served me exponentially well. Mm -hmm. And I think the hardest thing that it would come down to, which is, you know... um, not even that difficult is, is how we've had to just stay connected to my parents and Aaron's parents or, you know, grandparents, uh, online. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we still can do that even says to me, like, that's, we're, we're all right. Right. And so there's so much of this navigating of, um, perception is a function of experience. And we often forget that, right. If it matters to you, it matters. But for me, that the hardest part has just been like, I'm grateful for it all. I'm thankful for it all. I, do you want me to wear a mask? Okay. I got it. Do you want me to make sure my babies are okay? I got like, yeah, I'm in a position to do that. So I think that that's been just the thing I think that I noticed. I don't know if it's the hardest, Brian, but it's certainly the thing I've noticed the most. Mm-hmm. What,
4: um, something that came up, um, it was probably midsummer. I was, go- I was in the park. It was probably, it was probably like fairly, fairly recently or fairly shortly after, um, the the period where people were were the like lockdown lockdown, you know, where no one was doing anything. March. And yeah, March, April. So it was probably like May, like early May ish. Um and I was in the park and I walked by and we were walking by and um there's this woman coming towards us. She was with her daughter and um and my partner Kyla uh knew this woman and um and just just like in, in enough to 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 stop say hello for you know 20 seconds have a little small talk and then and then walk on by and and her and i and her daughter her daughter was immediately very very afraid that we were stopped talking to other people and and the woman said oh yeah i and, and not in, not in like a negative way that I'm, I'm and I don't mean to portray this negatively at all. She, she was just saying, oh man, my, my, yeah, my daughter, she's, she's a, she's afraid of everybody now because she thinks that everybody's going to make her sick. Mm-hmm. And, um and, and I went, it was kind of this like moment for me where I went, holy, she's thinking that right now. She was probably four years old. And I'm thinking, man, this is such a crucial developmental period for this child. How is, where do you, how do you, how do you see this moment in time playing out down the road for, for children who are, who are in this environment where really they're just learning these, like they're, they're coming into this like three, four, five year old, I guess like between three and 10 where like they're becoming social beings for the first time. Mm-hmm. And being social is somewhat stigmatized by the mm-hmm. illness that's coming around the earth. How do you see that playing out for, for future and how to, and how to, and how to, I guess, attack the the, the <laughs> negative consequences that could arise from that?
1: Yeah, I think, I think that is such a valid point. And I think so many people are asking that same question, you know, how is this going to affect kids long-term? There's a couple of things that always come to mind lately and this took my breath away when I first uh, heard it. But, you know, Mr. Rogers and Mr. Dressup did all of their teaching virtually.
4: Right. Yeah,
2: right. <laughs> Whoa. That's the biggest mind
4: blowing <laughs> thing I've heard. In yeah. my- no, it was on the TV. <laughs> well,
0: <Whoa. laughs> that's so wild to think about, but you're so fucking right. And, yeah. like, and how, and how, I mean, you know, if you've watched, if you've watched, if you're not familiar <laughs> with, with Mr. Rogers, um, you know, watch the Netflix, it, it watch, yeah, watch that, watch that documentary or, or watch the yeah, movie. Like, like yeah. he, he has, he literally changed a generation, you know, mm-hmm. like he, he, wow, what a, wow, what a cool thing to think about.
1: And here's what I love about it. So, you know, when you watch that Netflix documentary, and I would really encourage you to do it if you haven't seen it and watch it as I watched it from the perspective of a psychologist, here's what's interesting about this guy. Every morning there was a routine. He'd come in, take his sweater vest off, Look at the camera. Hang it in the closet. Mm-hmm. He would do his thing in 1965. <laughs> he would have black police officers on and wash feet together with the black police officers. There's a set of black feet and white feet in this swimming pool in 1965.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. There's a famous like there's a or famous there's a a really uh, uh, there's a meme that's been going around with that that exact image, and it's like. You know, it's just a beautiful and diversity, right? Like kids
1: in, in wheelchairs that have difficulty communicating mm. and he's front and center and he sings songs to them that says, you know what I like about you? You just being you. And at mm. the end of every, every single episode stops, puts his sweater vest on, looks in the camera and says, there's nobody like you. You just be you today. I'm so glad you're here and I will see you next time. Yeah, it's that sense. <laughs> well, I know, right? But we we are really sort of under this false pretense, right, that, that, you know, is it better? Yes, there's a physiological difference when we're face-to-face with other people. If we were in the same room, there'd be a different dynamic because our cortisol would be even lower. Our oxytocin and our dopamine would be increased. I mean, there's physiological evidence Mm. to suggest that we're wired for connection. But we are now in a place where we have the next best thing, which is like um, video chats and communication and all those things, which is why I always say, you know, and I love talking to Lauren before this. I love it that our cameras are on every mm-hmm. podcast that I've done, you know, whether it's going to be videoed or not. I need to see your face because we we connect with each other so much easier. Right. And so now even I'm saying, you know, if you need to text your dad or your partner video. FaceTime, yeah. send a video message. Oh, so I mean, much the, more connected. Yeah. The
0: mm-hmm. amount of, the amount, like FaceTime and my relationship to FaceTime since March has completely changed, completely
2: shifted. I, you yeah. know, was, even for me is like, I, I lived in Dubai for four years and I, I was really, I had a really close group of friends there. And as soon as I left, I just lost touch with them. And yeah. it was like three or four years later when when this started back in, in March that I, I actually started getting on Zoom calls with them and I feel Ooh. so much more connected to them in, in mm-hmm. a way that like yeah. I would have thought was totally weird a year ago. So it's yeah. It's, yeah. It has the been online
4: the online world has I mean, obviously taking over the world anyway. And then this comes along and the online world, whether it's whether it's, you know, uh, online retailers or things like Zoom or Squadcast that we're using now to 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 record this, like our are proving. I mean, if you had said in in February, January, or February to us that we had to take this podcast, we we never did this ever. No, we refused. Really? No, no, I I refused yeah. to do it I because was, like, we no... thought there's not we're not going to have the connection. And yeah. we're and we're and and when we talk to people who are, uh, you know, we we th- this this episode the the conversation that we're having now is a part of a new sort of segment of the show that we started in March. And yeah because you did a
1: lot of this in person, is that right? like you were well, two kind of, right? yeah person, and it was right.
4: and it was we were only we were doing episodes and we were only we were only talking to people who are sick and we were talking about them experience and now we have this friday episode, but those but these Monday episodes where we were talking to people who are sick, we thought we can't have these conversations on zoom or skype or whatever because we're we're asking such we go to such deep personal places we need to be in the room with them, which mm-hmm. like to some extent is 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 is, is well placed and well meaning but realizing when you're forced to that this is, like you said, the next best thing. I mean, it's not, it's not the thing, you know, we know, obviously I'd prefer to be in the, in the room, but when we can't be, I underestimated this platform. I underestimated this, uh, the ability, that, I, the capability so that this has. I,
1: exactly. I have a clinical practice. And if you had said to me in February, okay, you need to move all of your practice online. Right. I would say mm. never, like people have asked mm. me that I have five clinicians that work in my practice and they're like, can I do some zoom calls? Nope. If ever possible, I want you in that room because it changes everything. Mm-hmm. And now, what we've really found is, for some people, it is. It's it's really difficult to to connect this way, and they just really want to get back to that. Like for some people, uh, and if I was given the opportunity, I would always be in a room with people versus doing mm-hmm. this, right? But I just I, we've just done a virtual mm-hmm. conference um, a month ago. We had thirty five hundred people, Whoa. and I can't get thirty five hundred people in a room. I mean, like even when I was flying pretty good six months ago, you understand, like it was still a pretty difficult. So the reach, the payoff becomes Mm -hmm. really interesting in how we navigate this, particularly when you have a message that you think is going to change the world. Mm -hmm. And I love this opportunity to figure out. So how do do we use this so that you still build that platform? And then your intimate conversations, which may be 500 or a thousand people when you're back in the same room is going to feel like coming home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's that interesting, you know, dynamic that this has pushed us into places where I would have like not a chance would I have ever said. I mean, my, my whole platform is about relationship and connection. Right? Would I say that I'm gonna do a virtual conference? Would I say that yes, I'm gonna, you know, see people online. Here's the other thing that I really love about this. It is it is the fear. It's my fear for social media, uh, particularly Twitter, is the anonymity of it all. But I'll tell you, when I work with police officers or people who have severe trauma, this becomes much more comfortable to engage with Mm. first. And I wonder about people who are ill, who have really struggled significantly to be, you know, you're in the same physical space as somebody and you saw for months or years, the pity on the face or the... mm, what it's like to even have that one step removed and to be able to even engage a little bit more or safely online. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm. I, there's so much of that benefit to this that I, I find like even you know our our guys who you know struggle significantly with PTSD, they'll come into a session like this online, so much easier than when actually they have to physically drive in to person. my office, get out yeah. of their car. What the fuck are we going to talk about? What if I want to kill myself by the end of it? Um, you know I love this, and I and you know they I say you can shut me off anytime you want if this I, gets I, to be oh, too yeah. much.
4: For,
0: I think that's a good thing to consider too, for anyone, because like a big, a big thing that we've been seeing coming up in conversation between the three of us, but also within our, our, <clears throat> within our Patreon community over on Discord, like there's a lot of talk right now about, and I think it's due to some of the conversations that we've had on the show with over the last like couple of months, but a lot of conversation surrounding this idea of like um, of getting back into or for the first time ever starting therapy. <clears throat> and I one just, of the things that I'm seeing come up every every so often is like, I don't know if I should like I don't know if therapy online is is the way to go or like, you know, is it better if I'm in person? And I so I, I think what you just said there is really is something that sh- it's really valuable just to like to understand and to know that like therapy this way. And this is how I've been doing it since COVID. But like therapy mm-hmm. through a screen like this is is immensely effective i want you know or at least it has been for myself and, yeah, and i think i want
2: to i want to say that and and to add to that is that i've i started therapy for the first time in my life um a couple months ago now and i've done three sessions and the ability for me to do it online and like fit it into my schedule when it's convenient for me and not have to drive to an office and to be able to do <coughs> it from the comfort of my home and feel like i can digest and like plan for the session and and feel like I'm I can commit fully to being present, even though it's through a screen, has been has been such a rewarding experience. And somebody reached out to me on Instagram the other day asking if I would recommend virtual therapy. And I I would like I said to them that I would even prefer it over going in person now because it's been such an easy transition for me to actually start doing therapy.
1: Yeah. I love that. And I think, you know, it's interesting. So many of us, we just had a clinical meeting here uh, yesterday. And so many of my um, clinicians are saying, you know, half of our, our patients are saying, can we keep this up? Can we keep doing it online? Right. Even when, you know, our offices are open and we're like, absolutely. You know, so I think it's really just about that process of you're right. If we're going to get into some deep trauma stuff, I'd rather you be sitting in your house. Now, of course, the mm. other thing about that is right. Like, you know, you change some of those things. We always need to know your location and, you know, how do we stay connected in this way that, you know, we can support that process. But I think I think there's so much about this that, you know, you can focus on the fact that it's it's going to be detrimental because it's different. But what about this is actually going to be better than it's ever been?
0: Mm-hmm. Was that a question to be answered <laughs> yeah. or was it rhetorical? I don't Because I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I don't and, and I know. Don't, you
1: know what? I don't I don't really think anybody does know. I think that's, that's I part know. of the yeah. issue, right? Is that, it, you know, I don't think anybody does know. But I, I do think, you know, if we think about you know, previous generation, somebody was telling me this the other day, like, I'm so worried about like, kids can't go to birthday parties anymore, hockey. Mm. And, you know, our three kids just started in minor hockey. Again, (laughs) I've coached minor Mm. hockey my whole life. And, um, you know, that looks so different. Like how are kids going to suffer in that way? And I'm like, you know what I'm really interested about is that it's slowing down everybody. Mm. And I would not have deliberately slowed down if not forced to. And if I will, t- like, if I could tell you how much time face-to-face, like if somebody would have tracked statistically, how many times I looked at my kids last summer and how much time I looked at my children, like not just looked, but saw them mm. this summer, I think I would be amazed.
0: Yeah. Right. And right.
1: even now in this process of like taking them to hockey, right. We're not on a traveling team this year. Cause we can't be, which means we got to be at the rink two times a week. And I will tell you last year with two seven-year-olds, we were at the rink four times. And it's not like a frolic, it's like a get in the car,
0: mm, yeah right, and that doesn't <laughs> right? work with it's, kids, you, like we said earlier you know you can't, like yeah yeah um, uh, <clears throat> we we this is this is too much fun um we are I, I know we're coming up to time here, but but there's a, a couple of things that I really, really wanted to squeeze in before we did because um <clears throat> I think it would be really valuable for a lot of our listeners um th- so this entire conversation was suggested by one of our patrons uh Meg. So first of all Meg, thanks for for that. Um Aww, thanks Meg. And then we have we have a we have a couple of questions from our patrons uh that came in through Discord. Uh the first one is from Evermore. Uh it says, "How should parents deal with the guilt and fallout of giving their kids too much screen time? Parents working from home have barely any time to entertain or educate their kids as much as a screen does." But it's hard to find the right balance as to not mess with the kid's impulse control.
1: Oh, That's... my gosh. I love that question. Okay. So here here's the issue with this process, right? Is that like you're going to do the best you can with what you got and it's going to be enough. Mm-hmm. Like number one, out of the gate, give yourself some grace. You're not going to fuck your kids up by giving them too much screen time. If you're worried about it, you're amazing. Right. Okay? So that, that, I mean, like. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> here's the issue about that for me is um, there's great research out of Seattle um, where they've talked about the importance of emotional regulation. If you're going to walk your kids through a hard thing, you have to get it right 30% of the time. You can fuck it up 70% of the time. You can be unavailable. You'll be like, I said one, 70. I mean, and it's an average. So really we just got to be engaged 30% of the time. Uh, But you know what I think is really critical in that process is really decreasing the expectations on ourselves. Right. And when we start to do that, I'm able to step in. Cause if I think I'm failing my kids all the time, I'm always like, fuck it. Just take the iPad. Oh my God. You know what? Whatever. If I feel like, you know what, I'm going to give them the best I can with what I got. Then when I do have the opportunity to step into them, I'm present. Mm. And I think that's mm. what's really tricky. Right. Because you think about, I mean, there's single parents. I mean, 40% of all people are in this state of divorce in some way. Right there's many single parents trying to navigate a job and they mm. have to work shift work. And so even when they are present with their babies, they're exhausted because they just did a night shift. And what do you, like, what do you want to play? Uno. no. And so I think there's so much expectation around that process where we just got to say, mama, you're doing it, dad, yeah. you're doing it. You got to yeah. do the best you can. I mean, we're in Canada. Yeah. You yeah, can't it, stop yeah. kids from learning.
0: <clears throat> also, if you want to if you want to put your if you want to park your kid in front of a screen and learn, um, uh, may I suggest Artzuka, an old CBC show that apparently the host is just a true charmer and extraordinarily good looking and a, and a wonderful babysitter, and he's not even there. It's just what I've heard through the internet. You're um, like,
4: <laughs> it's like Mister Rogers. Yeah, yeah. is yeah. that is that what you're saying, Jeremy? One hundred
0: percent. I think Are that's you a drawing great comparison. this comparison. I've never what? watched the show. I'm actually not familiar with Artzuka. I've just Jeremy's heard. The host I think of I did re- he I think Artsuka. I did read that somewhere. I did read that somewhere. Yeah. Too. Uh, another another question coming in from our Patreon from uh, from Cass. Uh, I'm a teacher. What are some strategies that teachers can use to help manage the added stressor COVID causes to an already swamped system, in order to show up in the best ways for our students, both mentally and physically.
1: How can yeah. teachers
0: best help students deal with the stress and the uncertainty of these times? Um, they, now, I, I, I'm actually going to just change that to stress and uncertainty of these unprecedented times. <laughs>
4: unprecedented, times. never before, <laughs> more now, now more than ever times. New normal. <laughs> new uh,
1: normal. <laughs> I love that question, and I think we get it all the time. Number one, drop your shoulders. Mm. Number one. Because if you're not okay, those babies, that holy work that you're doing, they don't stand a chance. And I think sometimes we're looking for those answers. And every answer that I would come up to give you right now, make sure you're drinking your water, go for a run, eat your veggies, get your sleep. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Like we're barely able to keep it together. We know what we should be doing. Yeah. I think the thing that we forget to do a lot is just drop your shoulders and give yourself some grace. Mm. because we are in a global pandemic. This isn't, we're just trying to walk Nova Scotia through a shooting. We're not just trying to watch, walk California through a fire. We're talking about a global experience of Mm. kids trying to navigate something that their parents have never seen before. And you just showing up means more. I mean, when, when I see, I think about, you know, I can tell you right now, I went to a K to 12 school. I can tell you the first and last name of every single teacher that I had. I knew where they were living. I knew who was having an affair. I knew all the things about all the things. And I cannot tell you a single lesson that any of them taught me. The literacy and the numeracy, not a clue. But I can tell you where Mrs. Holly Nordstrom was standing the day she told us that Neil Rosession was killed, our classmate huh? that I started kindergarten with. Mm-hmm. I can tell you what she was wearing. I can tell you where she was standing. I cannot tell you one thing about what she taught me. I can't remember. It was grade 10. Was it language arts? Was it? I don't fucking know. Right. But I can tell you that the way she made me feel that day made me decide that I wanted to be a psychologist because mm. I thought if big people are in that position to settle little people in some of the hardest news on the planet, I want to be that. I want to be that. Mm. And I think so much about educators right now <clears throat> they're going to get so caught up in curriculum and we've wasted this time. They're not in this you know <gasps> we have so much to wake up make up for they can't you know now do departmentals what if they <clears throat> <clears throat> <throat> You can't stop kids from learning. And if you're not okay, those babies don't stand a chance. So right now the whole focus does not need to be in the literacy and the numeracy. Drop those shoulders. Use your balls. Look at your cohorts. Look at the people going to war with you right now. Remind them they're amazing and show up. End of story.
2: Dr. Jody Carrington, you fucking rule. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Mike
0: drop. Mike drop on that. Um, this is, you know, it's funny. We, we record... We record our intros and outros to these after we we record, but due to some scheduling conflicting, we had to do it before we came in to record this. And during the intro, I was like, "And we're you know we're thrown this conversation that fingers crossed it doesn't suck." Uh, and, and now we're in it, and I'm going, "Wow." It most certainly didn't suck. Uh, oh, Dr- well, Jeremy,
1: that is the highest form of compliment I have ever heard. <laughs> you certainly did not suck today, Jody. <laughs> Jody I think you
4: so might have also said something on the lines of like, uh keep doing what you're doing don't know what you do but you're doing it really well you're yeah, really killing it yeah. out there and the world needs more <laughs> of it so keep doing that yeah and yeah. you
0: know what i think i fucking nailed it on that yeah, one i think you did uh, oh banger you did your homework i love when
1: that's i get it. on the
2: podcast and they know yeah. who they're interviewing it <laughs> yeah, <is> just- <laughs> yeah, that's, it, that's it oh yeah uh, hey, i mean uh, this was 24 hey.
4: hours ago 23 hours ago we did know <laughs> yeah, yeah 24 hours right. ago that's we right. didn't uh, yeah, right right, right.
2: Can I usually, I usually um, just ask a lot of questions and don't really offer too much advice, but can I give a piece of advice for yeah, people sure, to take Brian. care of their mental health? Yeah. Um, when you're on video calls, turn off your own video because you don't need to sit there judging yourself all day. Um, I started doing that like three days ago after reading it on a join Koa Twitter post and it's the I thought best. you were going to say, I was thought it's you were going to so say you did it. It's so much easier to be, it, like, Sitting here, looking on Squadcast and seeing myself is so different than what I've been yeah. used to now from these Zoom meetings over the past few days. It's just turn your fucking camera off. It's so much I thought, better. I, I thought love you were that.
0: S- saying you were gonna. D- you d- you started doing it because you were so you were so angry about how your hair turned out. <laughs> no, after no, you dyed I like it. I like how my hair turned out. <laughs> okay, all right, all <laughs> right, right that's yeah, good. Fair enough, fair enough. Good, good, good. Uh, me too. I do too. I, I love myself. Fine. Relax, my shoulders. Uh, uh, Dr. Jody Carrington, I, I don't think this will be the last time that we have you on our show. And, uh, oh, I would and love to be back. If you are down, then we most certainly are. I look forward to the next time that we get you on. Um, it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. And thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to sit down and shoot the shit with us and to, um, to offer up some, some, I think, some really like thoughtful, um, some thoughtful food for thought. <laughs> yeah, you were on I, track
4: for a good one there, Jar, and then it just kind of fell apart just, right at the very end. And then I farted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <that was it. laughs> totally fine. Totally fine. Um,
0: um,
2: Dave, I was going to ask, how can people find out um, what you're up to? Where can people follow you?
1: Yeah, I I wrote a book called Kids These Days, and it's available everywhere. And then I also am on uh, Instagram and Facebook, and our website is. Uh, drjodycarrington.com and I jump on and do a live every morning at 715 Mountain
3: um, just to kind of walk
1: people through some hard stuff uh, for at least this next month and next month um, er, September and October um, and just for 15 minutes so um, it's just about creating this community of connection and so I love what you guys are doing I think it's phenomenal keep doing it, you're changing the world I'm so happy to be a baby little part of it
0: well, we're, we're you, happy Jody. to have you be a part of it. And like I said, we are looking forward to the next time we get to connect. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much. All right, we are back. And you know what? I knew it. I knew it. That conversation was just exactly as I thought it would be, which was what you just heard. And um, I remembered to ask my question. You did, you did. And actually, what's really funny is we, ha- we still haven't recorded it, but I'm just guessing. <laughs> I'm just guessing that it went well. Uh, listen, folks, we got to run. Taylor's got uh, to get on his little butt dart and go for a little butt dart ride around the city with uh, another group of butt darters. Uh, but before we do, I figured uh, before we sign off, first of all, thank you, Jody, uh, for, for everything that you've done and all the work that you're doing. I still don't know what you do or what you're doing, but... I'm, But it was great. It, whatever you said to us was great, and I'm glad you're doing it. Keep doing it. Don't fucking stop. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. That's another big thing I want to say uh, to all of our listeners out there. We love you. And uh, to all of our patrons, we love you more. But we can come back to that in a minute here. I do want to just take a moment <clears throat> to remind everybody that our podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. And one of the things about Apple Podcasts is if you you can leave a rating and review. It's one of the only places you can do that. And we've had... Lots of really wonderful reviews. Uh, we, we have over, Guys, we have over 2,000 ratings on, on Apple Podcasts in Canada. Uh, I don't know about the U.S.
2: But there's cool. one... If you're in the States, go do it in the States because yeah. Uh, yeah. we yeah. can always there use some more. 15,
0: is one, there is one little review that I wanted to read, and, and this, is, this is coming um, hot off the press because, folks, if you weren't aware, as of this coming Monday, so just a few days from today when we're releasing this, we will officially be a CBC podcast, and, um, and it's big news for us, and we're really excited, um, and nothing's going to change with the podcast, and we'll probably go over this again on Monday, but you know, it's going to be the same same old same, uh, but we had a really lovely review that came in and gave us a little nod about our move to CBC. Uh, this comes in on Apple Podcasts from Carrie Dodds on August 26th. Uh, the title of the review is CBC Lies. Uh, and this is what Car- <laughs> <laughs> and this is what Carrie said liars and lousy reporters that my taxes pay for. I hate CBC, so you heard it here, folks <laughs> guys We are reporters <laughs> <laughs> Woo! we are officially reporters, and this is uh, it feels really good to be a
2: reporter um, and i 'm so I'm going to add this- that to my linkedin mm-hmm. that's it so and if glad. you have
4: a si- mm-hmm. if you share a similar sentiment. Um as that sweet review right there, please do not hesitate, head on over and leave it for us to read. Oh or
0: I mean don't do it on Apple Podcasts. You can you can literally if you wanna if you wanna hate us, you can literally send an email to Brian at sickboypodcast.com and <laughs> Brian with a Y. It we'll it will go right into that mailbox. Uh, all right, let's let's uh, let's wrap this fucker up. Um, we love you all so much. Thanks for, thanks for being a part of this fucking thing. I love all you guys. I love and, you too. Uh, this is so, so much fun. I'm glad we're back. I'm glad we're back. We're back. XOXO. We're back. Um, folks, have a good weekend. We will see you on Monday with another wonderful conversation. And in the meantime, that is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor.
3: I'm Lauren, and you heard my cat, Nico.
0: Ah, and I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. Oh, that was, a pre- that, was a yeah, that was a perfect now Perfect now yeah. End, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>